Well, welcome to the East Hall. Welcome to Christ Community Chapel. It's really good to be with you this morning. If we've not met before, my name is Jimmy Cozy. I'm a part of the staff team here. So I lead our student ministries, which means that I spend the majority of my time with middle school and high school students. Uh, But I am also excited for the chance to look into God's word together with you today and see what it has to say for us. Our theme this year at CCC is transformed in 2018. The idea behind it is that we would look different on the last day of this year than we did on the first, and it would be because God has done something in and through us that's transformed us. And we just started a series last week called The Cross Changes Everything. This series is going to lead us right up to Easter, and when the cross is going to be on full display for all of us to see. And last week we talked about how the cross is the way to forgiveness. This week we're going to talk about how the cross is the way to endurance. And to do that, we're going to look at a passage of scripture found in Romans chapter 5. I'm going to go ahead and read verses 1 through 5. It says this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who's been given to us. And so, what that passage says, to put it simply, is that the way to endurance is through suffering. And anytime I think of endurance, one of the first things that comes to mind for me is running. I am what can probably most accurately be described as a casual runner. So I know the importance of getting exercise, but running is sort of a last resort. If there's something else I can do, I would prefer that. And my wife is not that way. I married a woman who who likes to run, and uh, throughout our relationship, she has run multiple races, half marathons, longer races. And throughout the seven years of our marriage, from time to time, she'll come to me and she'll say, hey, will you join? Will you run this half marathon with me? And my answer is always the same. I say, why? Why would I want to do that? But this past Christmas, I was running short on gift ideas. And so uh, one of the things that I got, that happens when you get married and you're married for a while. But one of the things that I did was I registered both of us for a half marathon. Which, by the way, um, as a middle school pastor, I have the honor, if you would call it that, of dispensing a lot of dating advice. And I'm just going to give you my number one secret that I'll tell to any middle school couple, whether it's going well, whether it's going poorly. Here's my advice to you. You should break up. That's what you should do. Because, I mean, I tell the guys, girls will make you do things you never thought you would do. Like me, I'm running a half marathon now because of a girl. But obviously my wife has had a very good impact on me. Like I used to go out in public in socks and sandals and cargo shorts. So, hey, transformed in 2018. We're here, right? (laughs) But one of the things that I've learned as I've started to train for this marathon is that in order to develop, it's a half marathon, not a marathon. Okay, hold on. (laughs) One of the things I've learned is that in order to develop the endurance that it's going to require to run the race, I'm going to have to suffer a little bit. I'm going to have to run for hours at a time. I'm going to have to deal with sore muscles and and the pain that comes with training in order to develop that endurance. 
But I think running and the suffering that comes with that kind of endurance, that's a suffering that makes sense to us. We can see it because it's, it's, in a way, it's almost gratifying. There's, at the end, there's this sense of accomplishment of, of you set out to, to accomplish this goal and you did it and you trained and, and went through. I don't think that's the kind of suffering that this passage is talking about. I think this passage is talking about the suffering that makes no sense at all. The suffering that maybe some of you in here today are walking through, the kinds of things that happen, whether it's the loss of someone you love or a broken relationship or an illness or any one of the the immensely horrible things that we see happen in the world around us. I think that's the kind of suffering this passage is talking about. And there's one part of this passage that if our series is called The Cross Changes Everything, there's one thing in here that stands out above all else as something that looks completely different to me than anything I've ever seen before. And it's found in verse 3 where it says that we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. And that idea that we would rejoice in our suffering, that's not like anything that I've heard before anyplace else. So that has to be the biggest thing that the cross changes in this passage. And if I think about being transformed in 2018, if, if there were a way in this passage that I would want to be transformed, I would want to get to the end of this year and be able to walk through any kind of suffering and come out of it with joy. So the question is, how do we get there? Well, it says we rejoice in our suffering because of what we know. And what we know comes from the cross. And when I say the cross, what I want you to think is the story of the cross, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and everything that is accomplished on our behalf. But what we know comes from the cross. From the cross, we know three things about suffering. We know something about suffering in the past. We know something about suffering in the present. And then we know something about suffering in the future. And that's what we'll uh, move through with the remainder of our time. Something about suffering in the past, present, and future. And we'll start with the past. So uh, I grew up going to a pretty small, pretty conservative, traditional Baptist church. It's one of those churches where some of the people uh, pronounce Baptist with a B. They pronounce it Baptist. And it's just, this church, it was such an important uh, church to me, and it played a huge role in my growth and my development. Uh, But one of my most vivid memories is the music at this church. It's totally different than what we usually experience here. But uh, at this church, we had a piano and we had an organ and we would sing hymns in four-part harmony. And there was one hymn that I remember. It's, excuse me, it's called The Old Rugged Cross. And the first verse starts, it says, On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And the cross is the symbol of Christianity. It, it's the, the symbol that we chose to represent what we believe, but it's a symbol that refers to death and suffering and shame. And if you think about the other major world religions, every one of them, whatever the symbol is, it's something that represents life, vitality, or light, something along those lines, but not Christianity. Christianity, the symbol is a cross, which represents suffering, torture, shame, and brokenness. And the reason why is because at the core of what we believe is a suffering. And it's a suffering that has already taken place. It's Jesus' suffering when he went to the cross. And I think for us, when we think about Jesus' suffering, it's, it's pretty natural for us to think about the physical suffering that he endured on the cross. But I think that Jesus' suffering went much, much deeper than that. There's this moment that is uh, in the Gospels when 
in the story of, of the crucifixion, where Jesus is on the cross and he cries out a question. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I think this is a hugely important moment because it gives us a window into the depth of Jesus' suffering. And here's what I mean. Um, for the first time ever in this moment, I think Jesus feels disconnected from God. And I don't know what your experience has been like in your relationship with God, but for me, my relationship for, with God, I feel like uh, my connection is spotty at best. There are times in my, in my life where I feel like I am intimately connected with God and I can just sense his presence. But I feel like those times are few and far between and I spend most of my time in the valley seeking that, trying to find that connection again. And the reason I feel that way and maybe you feel that way as well is because our connection with God has been damaged and marred by sin. But that wasn't the case for Jesus. Jesus has existed throughout eternity in perfect, loving, intimate relationship with God the Father. But in this moment, for the first time, that relationship is shattered. That connection is interrupted. And so Jesus seeks to engage that connection with God the Father. And for the first time, he gets silence. And then he begins to experience God's anger and vengeance poured out on him for every sin that's ever been committed, every wrong that's ever been done, and every injustice that has ever been committed. All on him. And so he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I tell you all this about Jesus' suffering and the depth of it because it's important. Because it, it wasn't senseless. It accomplished something. It wasn't pointless. And the things that it accomplished were listed in this passage. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 again. Here's what it says. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And so, there are four things right away that are listed in that passage that Jesus' suffering accomplished for us. It says, we have been justified, which means that we have been declared right and good in the eyes of God because of what Jesus did. It says we have peace with God. So we were at odds with God. We were enemies. And when Jesus suffered on the cross, he made that right. He made peace there. It says we've obtained access to God. So because of sin, there was this barrier that was between us and God that has been broken down and busted apart by Jesus' suffering. And then it says, we rejoice because we have hope that we didn't have before, but that has been earned for us through what Jesus did on the cross. And so, all of these things have already been done. It's a suffering that has taken place in the past. And so, if you're suffering today, the first thing that we know because of the story of the cross, is that Jesus suffered for us to establish our position, to establish us in a relationship with the God who created us. So Jesus, we know, walked into the storm for us. But it's also important to think about Jesus' suffering because not only does it tell us about suffering in the past, it also tells us something about suffering in the present, which is the second part of how the cross is the way to endurance. And if you look at this passage, it has two major sections. There are verses 1 and 2, and then verses 3 through 5. And verses 1 and 2 are this kind of summary statement of the first four chapters of the book of Romans. So they play a huge role in the overall book 
The first four chapters, the author, whose name is Paul, what he does is he lays out this argument for the problem that we have and what Jesus did to solve it and how he has accomplished that. And then these two verses are kind of like the summary statement. He says, therefore, this is what we know that Jesus has accomplished on our behalf. It's done. And I think it's no coincidence that the very next thing that is mentioned is suffering. Because I think there's a temptation for us when we read the things in the first two verses and we see, okay, I am connected to God. I have peace with him. I have access to him. I think there's a temptation for us, at least for me, to think that once that has happened, that means that he's going to take away all of my suffering. And I think the author, Paul, did this this way in order to, to establish and emphasize that following Jesus, the, a life following Jesus is not going to be a life characterized by an absence of suffering, but rather it's going to be a life characterized by something that we desperately need in the midst of our suffering, that we're still going to suffer, but we're going to have something that we need. And uh, one of the best ways I can explain this, my older daughter is named Hollis, and she's three and a half years old, and Sometime in the last four or five months, something has uh, snapped in her where she's gone from being this sort of clumsy, um, wary, innocent kid into this athletic, aggressive, nimble, acrobatic explorer. And one morning she woke up and she decided that the world could be conquered and she was going to conquer it. And so what that means is that every object in our house has become something that can be potentially climbed and jumped off of. She's been doing this all the time lately. And about a week ago, my wife and I were sitting in our kitchen and we were eating lunch. And we were in one of those, for those of you who have young children or have had young children, you know there are these golden moments during the day. And one of them is if by some miracle you can get all of your kids asleep at the same time. And we were sitting in what we thought was one of those moments because both of our girls were upstairs in their rooms. And we heard this sound like somebody threw a cinder block in the air and thudded on the floor or on the floor above us. And we ran upstairs and what we found out is that Hollis had climbed her bookshelf, which, was, which is about two and a half times as tall as she is. But on her way up, she had slipped and fallen off and, and thudded on the floor as toddlers are prone to doing. And so she was upset, she was crying. And as we were sitting there, I remember she looked right at me and she asked a question. She said, Daddy, why did this happen? And I feel like something similar can happen with us in our relationship with God. At least for me, I know it's true that whenever I walk into a storm, one of my first instincts is to look to God and say, God, why are you doing this to me? If you are who you say you are, you say you are loving, you say you are all-powerful, if that's true, why did you not stop this from happening? Why did you let this thing happen? come into my life. And I feel like in those moments, God can be frustratingly silent. I very rarely get the answers that I was seeking. But what we can know based on the story of the cross is that even though God may not give us the answers that we want and all the reasons why things happen, he gives us something better. He gives us his presence and he's done it and established that through Jesus. And so we can know when we walk into the storm that Jesus is right there walking alongside us and that we're not alone. Jesus said that himself. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And when he was on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
so that none of us will ever have to when we walk into a storm. And we can also know that as Jesus walks alongside us into the storm, he does it as somebody who is qualified to do so, somebody who knows how to suffer. Um, The best way for me to explain this feeling is I'm going to tell you something about myself that you can use to hurt me. So I'm kind of going to step out on a limb here, but hopefully you still are good with me after this. I am a New England Patriots fan, and I think it's important for everybody to know that. But I live and I work in Cleveland. And so there's something interesting that happens during football season on Mondays. I'll come in and inevitably somebody will be talking about whatever the most recent events are with the Browns. They're usually something negative that has happened. And what I found is that I am very ill-equipped to comfort Browns fans in the midst of their football-related pain. And, And I can never really do it very well because I don't have the same experience that they do. And actually, I found that the reverse works as well. The the reverse is true. Browns fans are terrible comforters for me when I suffer football-related pain. Like a few weeks ago when the Patriots lost in the Super Bowl, I didn't even try. I didn't even mention it to anybody because I knew what their reaction would be. They're not going to feel sorry. They're not going to empathize. They're just going to say, wow, that must be so hard for you to, to walk through that. Even Steelers fans aren't much help to me because if the Patriots are like Chipotle, the Steelers are like Taco Bell, like not quite there and afterward you still feel kind of dirty and gross. So. But I, <laughs> wow, that resonated. <laughs> um, I tell you that not, because, not to trivialize the very real pain and suffering that, that we walk through and, and many of you may be walking through right now. I tell you that because Jesus walks through our pain and suffering with us as somebody who knows what it's like to suffer. If anybody has ever felt brokenness, it's Jesus. If anybody has ever felt alone, it's Jesus. If anybody has ever felt pain, it's Jesus. If anybody has ever felt injustice, it's Jesus. And so if you're walking through suffering today, or even if you're not, someday you probably will, What the cross allows us to know is that as that happens, we are not alone. Jesus is with us. He said he will never leave us, nor will he forsake us, and that is absolutely true. So the cross helps us know something about suffering in the past. It helps us know that Jesus walked into the storm for us. Helps us know something about our current suffering, that he is walking through the storm with us. But it also helps us to know something about our future suffering. And, or sorry, something about suffering in the future. And the series is called The Cross Changes Everything. And I felt like it was important at the beginning to say the story of the cross is what changes everything. And what I mean by that is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and everything that has accomplished on our behalf. And that's important because the most important part of that story is Jesus' resurrection. Because what Jesus' resurrection does for us is it gives us hope. It gives us hope that that this life is not all that there is, but that there is something much better coming. And there's a passage in Scripture that that tells us more about this. It's 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 3 through 5, which say this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, 
kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And so the reason the resurrection is the most important part of the story of the cross is because it gives us hope. It gives us hope that Jesus is not just another in a long line of religious teachers who came, gave us their message, and then started a movement and then disappeared. Because the reality is that one of these two things are true. Either Jesus' body is still buried somewhere in the Middle East, or he is alive today. And if he is alive today, what that means for us is that we have Jesus' body is still buried somewhere in the Middle East, or he is alive today. And if he is alive today, what that means for us is that we have incredible hope that comes with that knowledge. We have hope that in the knowledge that on that day when Jesus was raised from the dead, he accomplished victory over sin and even death itself. Everything that is broken has been defeated by him on that day. And because of that, we have hope. And we know that there's a day coming that every bit of suffering and pain that we have experienced on this earth, that our suffering is not just going to be taken away from us, but that it's actually going to be redeemed and shown to be something good. And the best way for me to explain this, it's really hard for me to understand, but the best way for me to explain this is to talk about uh, the birth of my daughter. She was born on uh, September 10th, 2014, after 34 hours of labor. And I will never forget the moment that she came into this world, the sound that she made, the way that that felt. Uh, If you know me well, you know that I am fairly stoic when it comes to my emotions. I don't show a lot of emotion. But in that moment, both my wife and I broke down in tears. And they were tears of relief, but they were also tears of incredible joy. And that moment redeemed every bit of the 34 hours of darkness that had preceded it. And there were moments in that time that felt like really dark darkness. There were moments of hopelessness. There were moments of pain, of fear. And at the end of that, holding that little baby in our arms and seeing her grow into the little girl she is today has redeemed every minute of it. If you ask my wife and I, would you do that again? Would, if you knew you were gonna have that joy at the end of it, would you walk through that valley? The answer is absolutely yes. We would walk through that valley. And I asked my wife, because she's the one who actually delivered the baby. And she said the same thing. And that's the best way that I can explain it. And I tell you, I know that for some Even that story is a source of pain because of something you've walked through or you are currently walking through. And the reason it's important for us to hear this is because what the cross shows us is that there is a day coming when all of that, that pain, the suffering, the things that we experience are not just going to be taken away, but they're going to be redeemed. Everything that is broken is going to be made whole again. Everything that is sad is going to be untrue. Every injustice, every wrong is going to be righted. That day is coming. And so if you are walking through the storm today, what the story, through the story of the cross, what Jesus says to you is hang on. Hang on. Because I've seen the end of your story and it does not end with despair. It ends with joy. No matter how dark it seems, even if things only descend further into darkness, We know the ending. We know how this story ends, and it ends with joy. And because of that, that comes from the resurrection. And because of that, we have incredible hope. 
And this hope is illustrated by, uh, there's a quote for, that I really like from D.L. Moody, who was a pastor, and the Moody Bible Institute is named after him as well. But uh, he said this, he said, someday you will read in the papers that D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead. Don't believe a word of it. In that moment, I will be more alive than I've ever been. And that is the hope that we have because of the resurrection, because of the story of the cross. We know that there's a day coming where our tears of despair will be transformed into tears of joy that roll off our cheeks in the presence of the one who redeemed all of this, everything that we've walked through in this life. So the cross changes everything. It's the way to endurance because of what we know. And we can rejoice in our suffering because of what we know. We know something about suffering in the past. We know that Jesus suffered for us to establish our relationship with God, to make us make peace with him, to connect us to him. We know that Jesus suffers alongside us. He walks through our present suffering with us and that we are not alone. And it also tells us something about suffering in the future, that there is a day coming that this is all going to be redeemed, that our story does not end with despair. It ends with joy. Jesus walked into the storm for us. He walks through the storm with us. And someday, he will redeem the storm itself. The cross changes everything. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you uh, for your word. And we thank you that you speak to us through it. And we thank you for the story of the cross, the truth that is for all of us. And we pray that uh, that we would be reminded of that on a daily basis, that we would rest in the knowledge of what you have done for us through Jesus, that Jesus suffered for us, that he walks with us in our suffering, and that there is a day coming that you're going to redeem all of this. And we pray specifically for those who are among us who are walking through valleys right now. We pray that, that you would help them to sense your presence today, to be intimately aware of these truths of what you have done for us through the cross. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.